Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. That playful intro gets me every time, man. It does that frolicking through the fields. That's what I see us doing. Tunes sticking Holding your head. hands and dancing on the fields. There's a there's a there's a rainbow cloud behind us. Why? Well, I mean, well, yeah, okay, the connotation. That that's not what I meant. <laughs> that's not what I was going for. Just think of like the happy slap, you like da 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah, they all fall okay. down. They that's all fair. fall down. Ring around the rosy. That's fair. Hey, it's uh, it's Sunday. Yes, it is. Happy it's Lord's Sunday. Day. Yeah. Hope you're going to church this morning. Yep. Or preparing to go to church. We want you there. John three sixteen at oh, church man. today. Only John three sixteen. Only John three sixteen. Let the record show. This is not the first time you've you've slowed down way, way, way Listen, a bunch. Okay. And it's not the last time. Between John one fourteen and John three sixteen, I feel like are two the 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 most heavy laden verses theologically speaking in John at this point at least right <laughs> so I'm not I'm not slowing down on like I'm not saying you should apologize just recognizing the state of things and when my kids have kids we might start finishing the gospel of John maybe I, hey look I'm not stopping down on like the next day they went to Galilee I'm not <laughs> preaching a whole sermon we're stopping on that. there guys but there's just so much here we got to talk about it the next day the next day what does that mean what is, let's talk about the the here <laughs> let's unpack the the <laughs> what is your next day <laughs> there you go man where's your Galilee there, there you go you know what's in Galilee it. there's a sea you know what was on the sea a storm how is Jesus coming the storms in your life oh oh it would be funnier if people didn't do ridiculous things like that. Well, you sent me one not too long ago of a certain person preaching at Dallas Theological, Theological Seminary. Seminary. Yeah. Preaching something semi-ridiculous. It wasn't totally ridiculous. It just wasn't good. I honestly didn't even listen to it. It was more no. the fact that there was a, a female chapel speaker at DTS. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean... So... It doesn't shock me. It's your it alma just, mater. It is further confirmation. Of I mean, that's why you went path. there, right? You're looking for that it's totally liberal, progressive there. Christianity. Yep. yep. That's why I went. Yep. Yeah. So get what you pay for. But uh, yeah, I, actually, when I went to masters, they had to beat it out of me. Um, so <laughs> I'm surprised they let you in. Well, I had to apologize every single time I saw a professor. <laughs> I'm sorry I went to DTS. I had to apologize <laughs> every single time. Uh, no, I'm grateful for the education that I got there for what it was. And uh, yeah. Hey, there was an eclipse yesterday. There was. I I didn't see it, see it, but I did. I put my phone at it yeah. and I looked at some of it. It was cool, man. I, I like stuff like that. The cosmos and, and the universe. I mean, just signs like that are just so cool. Yeah. What, did you, what did you do with that? Uh, I heard about it. You heard about it? I heard it. about it. You didn't look at yeah, this guy. So my wife's out of town and so I've been running around and kind of playing. Oh, say no more. Playing, you know, Mr. Dad at home Mr. and stuff Mom. like that. And yeah, taking kids to soccer games and everything else like that, which has been awesome. And I'm so grateful for the time that I've got with my kids right now. But the eclipse didn't register high on my on my to do and, and to see things. Some people showed me like they saw the shadow of the eclipse on the ground. Like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the Kim saw. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. But I like and I don't know why, but seeing like a, a, a beautiful sunrise or the, the sun piercing through the clouds or massive cloud like that moves me way more than like, oh, the moon's in front of the sun. Why do you think that is? I, because What's you can, the difference? Because I don't feel so removed from it. Like you can't stare at the eclipse. You, your your retinas will burn out of your head. Mm, and so it's that like preach, man. I, 
Doesn't that preach? Yes, it does. Except it also is a barrier to my enjoyment of it. I can look up at the clouds all day long and be like, wow, look at the shadows and the the colors and the the way the light comes. Like I can sit there and look at that. So most of what we see about the eclipse and what people get stoked about the eclipse with is other people's pictures of it and your phones. And it's like, I could Google that any day of the the week that I wanted to and have the same experience. That's not quite the same. You have a question in your small group questions this week. Uh, I do. Your small group application questions that talk about things that make you feel small. Yep. I think this is one of those things. I think for a lot of people, seeing the the moon and the sun semi-aligned in that way is kind of, it's, it's awe-inspiring creates wonder and that sense of childlike awe that that sense of man uh, that's cool there's something bigger out there and i mean if you want to get into the intricacy of the size of the sun and the moon and how they're perfectly aligned to be uh proportionately similar in size so that when the when the moon does go in front of the sun the sun is covered it's really it's it's fun and i think it's it alludes to your question this week well, I'm not like I'm not mad about the eclipse. That's just I'm saying it didn't like it doesn't do it for you. It I'm going to get you there. It didn't register. I'm going to buy you a book for Christmas called "Why Eclipses Are Amazing." Please don't. It's too later. But there is it. a book. Speaking of eclipsing, uh, if you're interested, in just a good Christian read out there um, called "Uneclipsing the Sun" by Rick Holland, and it's about the idea that uh, that Christ is supposed to have first place. He's preeminent, as we've talked about in Colossians. Wow. And so the book is called Uneclipsing the Sun. Pastor Rick Holland is a senior pastor of Mission Bible Church in uh, Mission Road Bible Church in uh, Mission Overland Park, uh, Missouri. Oh, okay. Yeah. Would have been more poetic if he was in Mission Viejo. Nope. I bet Pastor Rick was really into the eclipse. He may have been. I, I'm almost certain. Rick Warren? Uh, the other one you mentioned. Oh, Rick Holland. Holland. Gotcha. Yeah, he probably was. Yeah, yeah. probably was. He's like, hey, I wrote a book about this, sort <laughs> yeah. of, but about it not happening. Yeah. Hey, let's jump into the Old Testament. Uh, maybe Isaiah saw an eclipse at some point. Although, I think he would have been stoked by it if he did see it, though. Yeah, but he didn't. He wasn't able to use his phone to see it through his phone. So they would did. have had methods. They would have had the shadow. There, there was a, there's a method you could put this. You could watch the shadow on the floor. Isn't there like a shoebox method where you like cut some holes in a shoebox and you can see yes that that's one of the options well and that's the thing i went outside and and it this when the sun was partially blocked like the sunlight was i don't know dimmer it was really cool cool effect i I don't think i've ever seen that yeah well uh, yeah okay whatever let's jump into isaiah (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah again no i I, we just we let's talk about the bible uh hey isaiah 56 um we are continuing on this theme of salvation for the uh, the gentiles and that's a good thing if you are not a jew and you're listening to this then uh, then this is an encouraging section of isaiah because this has to do with us i'm glad you could be encouraged by that yeah yeah because i'm partly jew and did you know that uh, I think you've mentioned that. In the uh, past. Yeah, I am partly Jew, so I can't. I can't really relate to you guys in this regard because this is my book and my people. But hey, I'm glad for you. Well, hey, you know what? <laughs> Isaiah is arguing here in chapter 56 that the foreigner really needs to be grafted into Israel's ways. That's right. Um, I will allow this. Yeah, that the foreigner needs to do the things that Israel does. Uh, there's going to be full acceptance for the Gentile, with no fear of being cut off or treated as a, a second-class citizen. He even talks about the the eunuchs here. And the, oh, I thought that's what you were referring to when you said cut off. I yeah, thought, no. Okay, that was a clever. Nope. 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 Okay. No, but the eunuchs were uh, a particular class that were excluded from temple worship. And uh, without going into too much detail there, parents, um, you can put two and two together and, and kind of reach your own conclusions as to why. They were also, because of their uh, their inability to perpetuate their offspring, they were... Um, 
kind of looked down upon and despised amongst the people of Israel there. And so Isaiah is saying that, that the, the new heavens and new earth, this, this new kingdom where we're all going to be together is going to be so much greater that even, even them, even a class like that, that would be looked down upon and despised uh, is going to be welcomed and going to have a place there in the kingdom. Something pretty cool I saw in verse five related to the eunuchs. He says, I will give in my house and within my walls, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I thought about for the eunuch who cho- either chose this life right. willingly or unwillingly, I don't know what the course of life is for them, but uh, God himself is better than an actual lineage of sons and daughters. And I thought about some of the people that we've encountered in our lives who are struggling with infertility. Uh, and we don't know what God has in store for them. You know, sometimes God opens the womb. Sometimes God closes the womb. We, we never know. Right. But God himself is the reward and the treasure. And he is better than sons and daughters. I'm going to take that one to the bank. Yeah. 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 Verses uh, six through eight then focuses on the worship of the Gentiles as being welcome and acceptable to Yahweh. And what a a cool thing that is. In fact, we uh, just recently in our sermon series in the gospel of John talked about Jesus cleansing the temple and it doesn't say it specifically in John. It talks about his zeal in John, but it doesn't say about this verse, but other uh, accounts do. For instance, in Mark chapter 11, verse 17, uh, they're connected with the cleansing of the temple. My house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. And remember the, yeah, the animals were in the court of the Gentiles. And so the Gentiles were interrupted from being able to worship God. And so that's where he went in and, and cleansed them out. And this is a, a call back to here, but this is also an anticipation of in the future um, when we will be there and all people, people from every uh, tongue, tribe and nation will be gathered to worship the Lord uh, together at some point. What a cool sight. Very much so. There's a new section that isn't super clear for us, um, and that new section begins in verse 9. It is set off as a a separate heading in the ESV, but you'll notice things get negative really fast here. And so we're coming off this positive, like, hey, the the nations are going to be grafted in. This is good. And then all of a sudden, whoa, uh, hey, uh, Israel, your leaders are failing massively. And uh, this is, as one author put it, Paul House uh, said, this is another. He he describes them as cycles. And I think that is is helpful. I'm I'm, I'm, uh, remiss that, that I'm just learning about this this far in, in Isaiah. Dude, but uh, but he pointed out that, that there are patterns in Isaiah where there's these cycles where the, the prophet goes back to the failure and then comes back to the hope, back to the failure and then back to the hope, back to the failure. And that's what he's doing again here in, uh, in chapter 56. He returns to the failure of Israel's leaders and their blindness. And I, I don't know about UPR, but reading this just reminded of the responsibility that we as pastors have to lead our people well and shepherd our people well and make sure that we're not dropping the ball on our end. Dude, 100%, man. I read Anytime I read a passage about leaders in Israel, I can't help but pause and say, Lord, please protect us. Yeah. Pr- pr- protect me, guard me so that we're not unaware, ignorant, weak, self-indulgent. And I don't know. I suppose that these leaders probably knew that. I don't, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to think that they were so self-unaware that they didn't see this. But I think about the way that Isaiah talks about them, and it's not flattering. And I can only say, man people. And we're going to get to a passage that kind of highlights this soon, but please pray for your leaders. Please pray for your pastors. If we're not your pastors, pray for your pastors, whoever they are, but please pray for your pastors, man. They are, they're responsible for your soul and you should not take for granted the godliness that they possess Yeah, or don't possess. Pray for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, chapter 57 under poor leadership comes poor behavior behavior and 57 highlights one particular area that is kind of the the umbrella over all of it and that is just the idolatrous heart of israel and as so often happens in scripture this is uh, connected to the concept of their promiscuity um that uh, that that 
idea of that physical uh, unfaithfulness is connected to the spiritual unfaithfulness of the people. And we see that in verses like verse eight, you've deserted me, you've uncovered your bed, you've gone up to it, you've made it wide, you've made a covenant with yourself with them, you've loved their bed, so forth and so on. There's this connection with the the unfaithfulness, the, the infidelity of the people of, of Israel, uh, just in, in, in physical relationships, that is a, serves as a paradigm or as a, a metaphor for the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel towards their God. So interesting that God gets so graphic about this sometimes. We're mm-hmm. going to see this in Ezekiel. We're mm-hmm. not there yet. I'm kind of nervous about that. I, was, I think I'm more nervous about those passages in Ezekiel than I was about Song of Solomon. But we made it through Song of Solomon. We did. So we'll make it through I, Ezekiel. I mean, yeah, well, we kind of did, I guess. We, I, I, I think one of the things God tries to get through our noggin is that spiritual infidelity is as bad, no, worse than the physical infidelity that comes yeah. in a husband and wife context. Yeah. So whenever you see these things, I mean, it's, it's important to realize we, we take our sin so lightly that's because we have a low view of God mm. God does not take it lightly mm. because he does not have a low view of God he has a high view of himself and we ought to have the same thing yeah yeah there there is the glimpse of hope though in verse 13 he uh, first to the, the the condemnation when you cry out let your collection of idols deliver you in other words you want them fine you can have them but he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and inherit my holy mountain. And then he goes on to describe those people that will be with him in verses 15 and 16. Again, similar to the question of who's going to dwell on his holy hill. Verse 15, he dwells in the high and holy place, but also with them that are uh, contrite, uh, broken over their sinfulness, uh, sorrowful, uh, those of a lowly spirit, humble, uh, and he revives their spirit and he revives the heart of the contrite. I will not contend forever. I will not always be angry. What great promises there are there. Amen to that, man. I, I I took the word humble and or, uh, contrite and lowly, and I, I thought, okay, what's a, what's another way to say this? Humble God fearers. Mm. I think that God fear is is something we don't we don't tend to highlight a lot today. Yeah. But the fear of God is appropriate and right, even for New Testament Christians who have the Spirit of God within us. Yeah. We don't fear Him in a servile way. We fear Him in a filial way, a, a reverence and awe, a great respect for Him. Isaiah would highlight this as being the evidence of genuine disciples, genuine followers of Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 58, uh, he gets into the the comparison here of what he desires and what they're actually doing. And really, this is just a description at the beginning, at least, of just rank hypocrisy Um, in the midst of their sinfulness, in the midst of their immorality, in the midst of all of that, that they're well aware of. They're still trying to draw near and play the game with God to get to soothe their guilty conscience or to get something from him, whatever it is, God sees through it. And uh, he says the, the the purpose that he desires for these practices, specifically fasting, verse six, he says, is this not the fast that I choose? Or, or verse five, a day for the person to humble himself. Okay, so that's interesting. Fasting should, should produce humility in us. Verse six, fasting, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke? So fasting can have a sanctifying effect in our lives and should have a sanctifying effect in our lives um, to cause us to, to be generous to others. He's He's calling them away from hypocrisy and into the full integrity of, of what James calls true religion. Um, and, uh, and not just the show of religion that I, that Israel had been majoring in there. And that's something that we need to be mindful of as well. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning, this is Sunday. Um, we talked about it in Ecclesiastes, be careful when you approach the house of God for worship. We, we need to take that to, to, to heart and think about, man, we, we need to make sure that we're worshiping from a place of integrity as much as we can. Nobody's going to do this perfectly, but 
we need to pray that prayer from David in Psalm 139. Lord, try me and search me. And if there's any grievous way in me, I, I want to know about it and I want to get rid of it because I, I don't want this same hypo- hypocritical mindset that we find here in, in Israel. Yeah, it's such a helpful insight. Can you give us some practical help? I mean, uh, I, you know, I woke up this morning, I was tired and it sleep well, so I, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to set up. I don't want to tear down. I'm not excited about interacting with people. How do I get out of that so that I'm not being a hypocrite, but I still, I'm still going to go. I still yep. want to make sure that I do the right thing. Help yep. me out with that. Yeah. And I think that is, a, is win number one is still going right. And we talked about this with Bible reading the other day too. It's always better to read your Bible than to not read your Bible, even on the times you don't feel like it. And so I think it's, it's good to go, but it's also good to go and to, to be honest, not to put on the facade, not to put on the slap happy grin, not to put on the you know, oh yeah, everything's great and, and super good, but to go in in where you're at, right? We we how you do it, Pastor PJ? Awful. Right. Well <laughs> and, and, and for asking. maybe in the right context, probably not as you're like walking by, you know, setting up the stage. Hey, how's it going? It, well, it's funny you ask as you drop pieces of No, but to be honest with others and then also to go prayerful, to go saying, Lord, I it, here's where I'm at, just honestly, transparently I don't feel like it this morning. I, my heart's not in it this morning. I know that you're able to change that. I'm going to ask that you will change that. I'm praying that you'll change that. And then to, to not feel like, I think sometimes we feel like we have to jump in and do everything and, and participate in every facet of it. And we, we have to sing every word from every song. And sometimes it's good for us to, to sit and meditate and to think about these things rather than to just mindlessly engage in them. Cause that's where the hypocrisy comes in when we're just like, well, I'm here. So I might as well just sing this song that pastor rods up there playing and singing yeah. instead of going, I, I want my heart to be in this. Let me think about what these lyrics are. I'm not going to, maybe I'm not standing. Maybe I'm sitting, maybe I'm, contemplating but the, the worship leader said please stand right do i sit despite that i think there's an opportunity to i think i don't think the worship leader knowing him i don't think he's going to call you out in the, the worship service oh, and be no, like dude man. you get up he's pretty he's pretty hardcore have you seen so, this guy yeah so that, you would say just push past it in the sense that you should you still go that's the win yeah. acknowledge it be honest about that and if you have opportunity to talk to another brother or sister who can be a sympathetic and helpful ear then great let yeah. them know where you're at but don't hide it don't pretend don't fake it but don't skip church either right. i think that's important and don't come up to the pastor right before the sermon and be like hey pastor i'm just not into it so if you could preach one that's fire tonight or this morning because I, I i need help come on pastor pg i'm really counting on you buddy <laughs> yeah well hey let's turn over to first thess chapter three i'm there trace I'm already there Again, random chapter division here. Um, Paul is, is still writing to the church in Thessalon- Thessalonica. And remember, this is a unique church for Paul. He loves these people, and we continue to see how much he loves them. Um, verse 3, therefore, when we could bear it, no longer we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and, and God's co-worker to you. And um, it, it, this is something that we see often from Paul in his missionary journeys. He'll, he'll dispatch people. He talks about it in Philippians too, um, and people that were sent to him for his aid. This was something that was common where people would be sent to strengthen the churches and to encourage the churches. And I think it's unique for this time because you, you had, I mean, Paul being a quote unquote super apostle, you didn't have the lineage and the pedigree of the church age that we get to enjoy today, where you've got pastors in local churches that have gone through adequate and good seminary training and have years of ministry right. experience under the right. belt. So it was important to be able to send some of these heavy hitters to these churches to strengthen them and to encourage them and to build them up. And I'm sure part of that was some, Hey, we're going to do systematic theology one-on-one with you guys. And we're going to talk through some things and answer some questions that you have. And, 
and instruct and build up. And so I think we see some of that going on here as well as the relational component. Well, on top of that too, he's also concerned that their faith would have failed. Ultimately, true faith will not fail, but Paul's concerned at a very practical level. How is this church doing? As you're saying here, he, he, he cares about these people enough yeah. to say, look, man, Timothy, you're, you're my best guy. One of his best guys, please go make sure check in on them, make sure that they're doing well. And to Paul's pause, I mean, to Paul's great joy, I'm sure in verse six, he says, Timothy's come to us from you and he's brought us this good news of your faith, but no, don't miss this in verse three. He doesn't want them to be moved by afflictions. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's warning them. He's like, Hey, I told you guys this was going to happen. And I think pastor PJ, can you see it happening in the church today where people are surprised by great afflictions? And if so, why? And, and how do we correct for that? Yeah. I mean, I think, if what went on in Israel recently went on in our backyard, I I mean, imagine that for a moment. I I have, it's terrifying to think about that. And I think we're not ready for that in so many different ways, you know, and the, and not even close. If, if that was to happen, I think a passage like this becomes that much more tangible to us and, or reading Peter saying, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes among you. Like, we think about that that means that, oh man, maybe I, I lost my job. And, and don't get me wrong, that's a trial. It is. But there's there's so much more that we could be suffering right now that we're not suffering. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, look, this is, it's not about this life. It's not about this life. And when we are moved by affliction, it's when the enemy gets us and convinces us that it is about this life. It's about having the life that we want place that we want, the family that we want, the health that we want, the job that we want here and now. And if I don't have those things, then man, God must hate me. It's like he absolutely doesn't. In fact, that's what we're talking about at church today. Mm -hmm. How much he loved you that he gave you not for temporal life, but for eternal life, he gave you Christ. And uh, it's that old illustration of the rope, right? That, that your life is, you know, a, a one inch section of red tape on a long white rope. And the rest of that rope that stretches back and coils back, you know, behind stage there is eternity. Yep. And our life is such a small fragment of that. And when we put so much, so much weight into this life going the way we want it to right now, we're, we've lost sight of what the point is. The point is not about the here and now. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We do. But for us as individuals, and when we're battling in the trenches, we have to remember it's not about the here and now. It's about the then and there. Do you think that because the church has had such relative success and ease that it's made us soft and and, and, and incapable of handling these things? Is there something we can do now, I guess, to add to that question that can help us Mm. be battle ready for when those times come? I mean, ultimately, it's I'm reminded of of what Peter writes when he says you're being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So ultimately, when when and if that happens, that time comes. the thing that's going to keep us is not ourselves. It's God is going to hold fast to those that are truly his. Uh, what can we do? I, I think we can continually remind ourselves and try to think eternally. Um, Colossians three, that whole idea of set your mind on the things above where Christ is. Um, and, uh, just that, even that hope that when he appears, we'll be with him. And that's, mm. that's our desire. We want to be there, not here. Um, and so I, I think there's, there's that we can, we can ready ourselves for that. We can deal honestly with the, the difficult 
passages in scripture and think about them in a, in a helpful way and not just focus on the ones that are encouraging and the ones that make us feel good. And even the ones like even Philippians four, eight, be anxious for nothing. It's like, okay, that's a, that's somewhat of a sanitary verse for us to hold on to. But when we get into man in the end times, this is what's going to happen. And this is what to don't be surprised if you're suffering, the world hated me, it's going to hate you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't want to deal with those passages because we're afraid of what the implications could be if that actually happens here. So I think just being honest, but I I ultimately we're trusting God. God's going to be the one that's going to hold us fast in that day. Amen, bro. And that's such a helpful thing. I would only add one thing to that. Now, I'd say if you're going to be prepared to suffer, because all of us should be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. None of us is immune. Christian, Jew, Gentile, all of us are going to go through suffering. And, and scripture tells us to be prepared. Paul says you were destined for this in verse three. Put scripture so firmly planted in your mind that mm-hmm. as you go through, you have handlebars that keep you steady. Yeah. Um, Paul says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, uh, talking about the suffering of Christ. Arm yourselves with this. If you're going to be battle ready, arm yourself with the word of God, memorize significant portions of it as best as you can. You have time. You have ability. Uh, that's one of the best ways to spend your time. It's a great investment. Yep. Amen to that. Well, hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope you will join us again tomorrow. Please and thank you. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.